Hi, welcome to Navigating the Spectrum with Michelle Portlock. I'm your host, Michelle Portlock, and I'm so happy to have you with me today. Today, I have my daughter, Brielle Williams, uh, with me again. This is her second go-round, and Brielle is, she's Zooming in from college. So, Brielle, thanks for being with me today. Anything for you, Mama. <laughs> yeah, like she said, my name's Brielle. Um, I am a junior at BYU in their psychology department. So I will graduate next April, which is super exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm 19, so I'm a little young to be a junior. <laughs> yes, you are. But, you know, I'm doing it. But you're cruising along. So, yeah. Well, thank you for introducing yourself. There's more to come. I, you'll learn a lot more about Brielle as we move through our conversation. So Brielle, last time I talked to you, it was before you left for college. That was episode one. And now I'm somewhere in the 50s. And it's time for me to give everyone an update on you. So let's talk about how your college experience has been as it relates to like your social emotional well-being. I just went through a breakup. So, mm-hmm. you know, currently not amazing, but <laughs> as as a whole, it's definitely better than any like pre-secondary education. I definitely I'm doing better socially than I was in elementary school or middle school and especially high school. Mm-hmm. What do you think the difference is for you? Um, a lot of it is just that like kids don't care enough mm-hmm. to make fun of you. And the people who do are dumb. <laughs> I just, you know, once you get to college, people just don't have the mental energy, I think, anymore. And you don't spend enough time with people outside of like your own free will or your own volition, I guess, mm-hmm. to really care. Yeah. So do you think your social emotional health or well-being was connected to your experiences with other people? Yeah. I mean, you say social health and I definitely, you know, in high school, you know, all about it It was really hard for me because I just, I didn't understand things and people didn't understand what autism was. And so they didn't understand why I didn't get things. And it was a whole thing. And in college, there are like people at least care enough to ask me about it Mm -hmm. and not immediately be like, Ooh, which kind of gives me an opening in the door to be like so if I'm ever a little bit weird when we talk I promise you it's not intentional please just tell me so I can know what I'm doing wrong I Mm -hmm. find people now have been a lot better at being like Brielle your tone was weird there so I can be like sorry this is what I meant (laughs) instead of accidentally offending people Mm -hmm. I love that they give you an opportunity to do that And what I really love is that you give people an opportunity to explain or to tell you how they feel or maybe how what you said might have come across. It gives you a second chance or a third chance to kind of explain yourself, which I I am a huge proponent of solid communication. I like that that's been a better experience for you because just I hope this is okay to share. And if it's not. I will edit it out. (laughs) 
But when Brielle was a freshman in college, her first year, it wasn't too long after she'd been there, maybe six weeks, that I got a phone call from from you. And you said, I cannot adult. Adulting is the worst. (laughs) And I jumped in my car and drove over to you. And we spent some time together just just doing laundry and some of the day-to-day things because I feel like when we're overwhelmed, it's some of the basic daily tasks that get overlooked. Yeah, I definitely needed help that first semester. Plus it was hard because all my classes were online. So there wasn't really a way to make friends. And I only knew like two or three people and I didn't have a roommate or anything. Like I had a girl I shared a bathroom with, but she was the RA. So she was always out. She was super busy. Mm -hmm. So I was just kind of alone and there wasn't anyone. I didn't have someone nearby who I could be like, I need help. I need a friend, which made it really hard. And then definitely the transition to living with my family and then living alone where it was like one day where we came out, we came out, we checked in, we unpacked everything. And then We did school shopping the next day and then you guys left that same day, right? I think so. Maybe after we cried for an extended period of time. (laughs) Yeah, after Grace said something and then you are caught both of you crying. (laughs) Yeah, we did. Eric and I had to hug it out and cry it out later in the hotel room. (laughs) (laughs) But it was definitely, you know, that transition was really fast and really difficult for me going from I have everything I need at home. I have all my supports to like, it's just me. Mm-hmm. So it was very nice that you came out. Cause yeah, I was having trouble like taking showers and like doing my laundry and eating food just cause my brain didn't know how to process the transition super well, which was mm-hmm. really difficult. <laughs> that is difficult, but you know, it's, I understand that experience is most likely intensified for you, but I think that a lot of people, I know I struggled my freshman year of college adjusting to all the newness. And there were a couple of times I thought, I'm out of here. I'm going to go to a different college. (laughs) I know you've thought that a few times. Oh yeah. But for different reasons than you. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I look back at my scholarship offer from DU. Mm -hmm. which is to our listeners, like 20 minutes from our house. Mm -hmm. And I think, why didn't I just take that? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm here and it's only what, like a seven and a half hour drive from home. It's not too far. It's not, it's not too bad. So let's talk about some of the accommodations that you have tapped into that have either come from the school or those that you have created yourself that have helped you to function on a daily basis. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I cut you off. No, no, no. You're good. I was just going to say, let me actually pull up my accommodation letter through the college yeah so I can tell you what kind of stuff is on it because I can't remember very well (laughs) there's like a lot of things on it I have a lot of options which is super helpful but yeah let me pull that up really fast okay while you're pulling that up I will just say that Brielle living in a solo room her freshman year was an accommodation that we asked for because 
she has learned and we have learned that she does really well when she has her own space and she can go into her own room and close the door and decompress. Would, yes, would I definitely you... need my own space. I, <laughs> yeah, be... I shared a room the beginning of this school year and I kind of went crazy. I yeah. definitely needed my own space. Yeah, it's challenging. It can be challenging. It's challenging to share a room oftentimes anyway, but then when you need more time to decompress, I think it makes it even more challenging when someone else is in your room and all you want to do is listen to your music or whatever it is you do to decompress. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my thing is I, I play instruments. I have a little instrument wall in my room where I've hung up my ukuleles and my big old guitar amp is there and my bass guitar and my electric. And when I was sharing a room, I never felt comfortable playing because I mm-hmm. thought I'm always going to bother someone. Mm-hmm. And even now I feel like I, our walls are very thin in my new building. So I feel like mm-hmm. I do bother people, but it's like less of a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, good. Yeah. So I do have my accommodation letter pulled up. Yeah. Let's hear um, some of these accommodations. So I have a letter that is specifically the template for autistic students. And then I have one that I came up with, with my accommodations person. She's really awesome. We like Zoom every semester at the beginning and we go over the classes I'm in and what I need and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. She's actually the person who told me um, being autistic adds three more credits to your course schedule. So my first semester, I took 17 credits and she told me I, it was like I was taking 20, oh. which has really helped me because I planned on credit loading and that made me see I succeed better when I take like 14 credits. Mm-hmm. That's good. Smart woman. Yeah, kudos. I know. <laughs> kudos to her. So yeah, let's talk about some of those accommodations. Yeah. So in the... I believe this one is the autism letter that they have that we just tweaked some to apply to me more. Mm-hmm. So one of them is that I can meet with my teacher after every class period if I want mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. and talk about like assignments and get further details and instructions. Mm-hmm. I haven't used that one because so far all of my professors have been really awesome at either sending out emails that further explain everything or having really detailed instructions in the syllabus. And I like to print out my syllabi at the beginning of the semester. So I keep them in a folder so I can understand everything. But that one is really helpful. It would be if I had a teacher who didn't do that. (laughs) Yeah. The other one is I get uh, private meetings with my teachers to personally discuss how I'm doing in the course and talk about how I can improve and like specific feedback, which is super awesome Mm -hmm. for me to have because I do, I would, I love feedback and I really struggle to do the outreach to the professors. It's Mm -hmm. weird because, you know, I am paying to go to this school. These teachers are paid partially by me and I'm still too nervous to reach out to them because I feel like I'm being annoying. (laughs) (laughs) So it's nice to have that. Uh, Another one is that when we have study groups or groups in class, the teacher will randomly assign me to a group instead Mm -hmm. of me having to get up and assign myself, which I actually used 
Yeah, it's really nice. I actually used that one uh, winter semester of last year. So like a year ago in my one of my writing classes, we had a group presentation and I could not put my name under a group and my professor went and wrote it up. And part of it was my fear of like standing up in front of the class and having to pick and having everyone look at me. And the other part was that we were writing our names up with chalk on chalkboards and I am terrified of touching chalk. It disgusts me. <laughs> I, you know, that actually makes sense to me. There's a, there's a feeling that it, that it leaves on your fingers. I don't appreciate that either. Yeah. When I went to seminary my junior year, the few times, this is in high school, the few times I actually went, the teachers did have like a chalk holder for me. They had a chalk holder for me and for another boy who had sensory issues uh -huh. so that we wouldn't have to touch the chalk. We were touching like a metal holder instead, but That's still the cool. feeling. Yeah. It was nice of them, but yeah. still the feeling about the chalk like touching the board still bothered me so I just couldn't do it so it was nice that I had that accommodation for my professor that's a nice accommodation do you have, yeah. do you have quite a list of accommodations I do I've got quite a few which shocked me um yeah. these ones are the ones that so these next few those are the like autism ones there's like a list of like 20 specific autism ones and we just wow. pick the ones that are most helpful for me. So those were, I think that was three. And then yeah. these are my other three that are me personally. So one of them is flexibility with deadlines, mm -hmm. which I really used winter semester of last year. I mm -hmm. still had courses online and I was having trouble getting medications to me on time. We were having some issues yep. with my psychiatrist. And so being able to say like, I cannot take this test this week. Can I take it next week? Or this assignment, I can't do it. Can I turn it in a couple of days later was a lifesaver, specifically mm -hmm. in my online only courses. Mm -hmm. Because staring at the computer to do the coursework was really hard. I would get really bad migraines because of it. And I just couldn't do it sometimes. Mm hmm. Well, so those are some pretty excellent accommodations. It gives me more. hope and ho oh, there's two more. Yeah. Okay, what are they? What are they? The other one, it's pretty much the same additional time to complete papers and assignments. It's pretty much the same thing. And then my favorite one, this is the one I use most often. And I think every neurodivergent person should get an accommodation like this is a distraction reduced testing room. Mm -hmm. So like most colleges, my school has a testing center that has like 300 desks and everyone goes in there and it's loud and it's cramped and it's not super fun. So what I have is I have to schedule an appointment, but I have my own room that I can take tests in. Oh, that's amazing because there've been a yeah. few times I've been in there and I'm hearing people open their gum and wrappers rattling. So yeah. that's a great accommodation. I can see why that's your favorite. Yeah, that one's my favorite one. And I had, yeah, last semester in my statistics class, we just took our exams in the classroom and my teacher, I always appreciate it when my teachers actually read the accommodations and talk to me about them. He did send mm -hmm. me an email before class and he was like, I saw that you have distraction reduced testing rooms do you need to take this in a different room do you need to come in at a different time and take it with just the two of us in there and I passed up on it because I was like no this is fine the class is like 15 people it's not that big of a deal 
but I do, I always really appreciate professors who go out of their way to make it known that like, yes, I saw these. I love that as your mom. I love hearing that with all my heart. (laughs) It makes me want to run to all of your classrooms and hug or high five or fist bump your professors, whichever they would prefer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's nice. In high school, they definitely denied me accommodations even after my therapist had written to the high school and told them this is what she needs she needs to be able to leave classrooms without you guys needing to call you guys mm-hmm. isn't my parents you remember he had to call me out yep. like eight times a week I do yeah she needs to be able to not be in school without you guys needing to call she needs to be able to turn in assignments late and the school was like well she's a 4.0 student so no which um, was really hard for me. So it's nice being in a university that really cares and gives me accommodations. Yeah, they actually do what they say they will do. I yeah. deeply appreciate that. I feel like those accommodations have helped you have a better experience overall as far as your academic piece is concerned. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, you can look at my first semester versus my last semester's GPA, I've gone up last semester. I had like a, I think I had a 4.0 last semester and my first semester I had like a Mm 3.6. So that's, that's a big deal to me as someone who's looking into graduate school, Mm -hmm. 0.4 of a GPA difference is Mm -hmm. pretty huge. So it's been really awesome. I really appreciate my accommodations director for Mm -hmm. helping me with all of that. For listeners, The reason why we're only talking about two school years, Brielle's freshman year of college was last year, technically. She was a freshman, and this would technically be her sophomore year, but throughout high school, she took enough AP tests to complete a year and some change of college. Yeah, I went into college with, I think, 46 six credits done already and most of my gen ed done which was really nice and some intro courses for my major yeah that's amazing I don't think I went into college with one credit done (laughs) (laughs) well AP calculus is 13 credits if you get a five on the exam which I did so that was like a third of them that is amazing you know what congratulations on understanding math I, if you put any of that stuff in front of me right now, I would not get it. I think a lot of it was just because I wanted to get a 4.0 in high school that I made myself understand. I do want to ask you, when we talked in episode one, you were talking about how you wanted to go to law school and all of these plans that you had. But I know as your mom that your plans have changed. So talk to us about your future plans after your bachelor's degree. What do you want to do? Yeah. So, I mean, real talk is that I would love to be a judge. That is like my dream. Mm -hmm. However, I sat down and I thought about going to law school and I thought about needing to be a lawyer before you can be a judge. And I thought that sounds horrible. Why why would I want to read hundreds of pages a night and have to memorize a million things? Like that's super hard for me. (laughs) And why would I want to do that for three years and then work at a job, you know, be a clerk for like two years and make like $8 and work 80 hours a week when I could just not do that. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, talking to lawyers that I know, 
specifically uh-huh. Ryan and Doug uh-huh. and even even Vicky yeah. they're gonna watch this and be like oh you call me by my first name these are her grandparents and her uncle <laughs> <laughs> I was like yeah no I'm not doing that <laughs> yeah so tell us what you are going to do what are your plans I I was still law school and then my winter semester I took that writing course and I wrote a research essay on sexual expression and autism which sounds a lot more risque than it was it was about like your self-identity and being in relationships super Mm -hmm. way more boring than the title um and it did really well it was really good I really liked it my professor really liked it Uh, the school really liked it it got passed around it's being published yeah so yes and really like it (laughs) yeah and I went wow this is cool maybe this is what I want to do for forever. And so I currently am thinking of getting a PhD and being a college professor. I really like academia. I really thrive in academia and I like writing articles. So I figured that sounds like the best fit for me. Mm -hmm. And am I correct if I say most of your studies would be geared towards autism? I think it really depends on what school I go to and what, because when you do your PhD, you have to have like a faculty member who also has the same type of topic Mm -hmm. so that there is someone who already has a PhD to guide you, your like mentor. Mm -hmm. But I am hoping to do either human sexuality or autism. And then once I have it, that would be what the bulk of my focus is on. Okay. I, of course, love hearing about your future plans and it inspires me just as your (laughs) mom. (laughs) And I know that you always wanted to have a higher degree than me. I honestly, I'm only doing it because I want to have a higher degree than everyone else in the family. I got to stand out somehow. (laughs) Well, it's not about the career or the opportunities or pursuing my interests. It's about my mom has a master's. My grandpa has a Juris doctorate. Why don't I get a PhD? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Well, okay. So I wanted to ask you what you would share with other autistic individuals about post high school education experiences. It's just better. (laughs) (laughs) I still have issues with people because duh, like that doesn't just go away. The like social communication issues I have, but it is better because you're not forced to be around people you don't want to be around, which is life changing for me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's better. I don't know. You get to pick the classes you're in, which is way more interesting than having to do everything. And the professors all are really passionate and really care, which makes classes way more interesting for me. And there's easier access to accommodations than I've ever had before. It's just, yeah, I like college a lot. I do, you know, like I said, I do still struggle with friends and stuff. That's still really hard for me, Mm -hmm. but it's easier than it's been ever before. I love hearing that because the struggle was very real (laughs) and it's very real. I I can't say past tense because like you said, it's still, it's still a struggle. Yeah. (laughs) But I think 
I always feel that as time goes on and as we struggle and as we learn through our struggles, that there's growth there and hopefully it gets a little easier. Not that it will be super easy at any point because maybe it never will, but just that it becomes a little more second nature and a little more comfortable for you. I would, I would love that for you. Brielle, you've had some pretty cool opportunities come up and I just think it's fun because everything I talk about on this podcast is autism related. I would love for you to share some of the opportunities that you've been given uh, that are coming right around the corner for you. Yeah, I'm actually, I have a lot of cool things that I've been getting to do. One of them I'd say, I'm trying to do this in like chronological order. So the first thing was that because of that research paper we talked about earlier, because it was passed around the university or whatever, and most of the young adult mental health research professors read it, they asked me to be on the research team as their autism consultant. And so whenever we do panels about neurodiversity or accommodations or disabilities, I am always asked to be on the panel, which is really fun. So I talk to professors a lot, which is nice. Mm -hmm. It does feel a little intimidating. I'm just like some guy. (laughs) I'm actually, I'm surprised to hear you say it feels intimidating because even since childhood, your people were always adults. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's not what's intimidating about it, but more like these people are so educated and they still Uh think I'm going to tell them something they don't already know. And then I do when I get like 18 emails that are like, thank you so much for talking to us. And I can't tell if they're being polite or if they really mean it, but I choose to believe they really mean it. (laughs) Good choice. (laughs) That's a good choice. Okay. So there's that opportunity. Yeah. Which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And then after that last semester, I had an internship with Carrie Magro, who I think you have an episode with, right? Mm -hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was the intern for his nonprofit, which was just totally crazy and super fun. I loved that job so much. And I loved being able to do that. And a lot of my job was networking with people and making connections with people. Mm-hmm. So now I have a big network of people I know who I've worked with a little bit. And then mm-hmm. Carrie has had me speak on his live show on Facebook and then in A little over a month from now, he's having me speak on a live panel, which I'm super excited for. And he's putting me in his book. I wrote an essay for him that's going in his book, which comes out next year, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. And then, yeah, the next one is like three weeks from now. My school is doing an autism conference. And they're having me speak from 9.30 to 11 about student accommodations and disability inclusion on campus. It's me and I think like four other students. So there's like five of us and we have an hour and a half to just talk. And it's a lot of professors, a lot of therapists, a lot of professionals that come to this conference, which I'm super excited about. Mm -hmm. I think this one, yeah, this one's really great. And then... Let's see, next week I'm being interviewed. It was supposed to be today, but then they pushed it back. Next week I'm being interviewed for BYU about having a disability on campus and what my experience is like, which Mm -hmm. is super fun. 
Mm-hmm. And then the last thing, I have so many things that I'm doing. The last thing is that my workplace found out that I was speaking at the BYU Autism Conference and they were like, why don't you come talk to us? Talk to us about stuff, which is really cool. I work at an autism behavioral clinic here mm-hmm. in Utah mm-hmm. and the job is just awesome. And I love it so much. And I am kind of quiet about being autistic just because I know specifically when people are hiring you there's some like preconceived notion about what autism is and like clearly at my clinic which works with autistic people I wouldn't have to be as nervous but I was like I'm not gonna tell them until I already have the job and have proved I'm good (laughs) at it (laughs) um But yeah, I actually got a text today that was like, Aniko wants to talk to you. And I thought I was getting fired because that's our big boss who owns the whole thing. And then I came in and she was like, Brielle, you are so awesome. I just found out you're speaking at this and this and this. And I want you to come and talk to our staff. And so they have like a staff meeting with all of the people who have their PhDs and their masters and Mm -hmm. have done all their hours to be board certified. And so Mm -hmm. she's having me talk to them about what being autistic as a teenager and a young adult is like, Mm -hmm. because we have a lot of kid clients and not so many teenage clients Mm -hmm. and they're trying to expand their horizons. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I am so excited. The only thing that I feel sad about is that I'm not there to experience <laughs> all of this with you. Although I am coming to listen to you present to the faculty and staff. So yes, I'm I, very excited for that one. That one will be fun. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty neat. What a cool experience for you. The only reason why I wanted Brielle to share those experiences is just to say that, oh, It's not that she's somehow out of the woods from experiencing difficult challenges and difficult experiences, but the things that she experienced growing up and that I experienced secondhand as her mom, sometimes it felt firsthand, but it never is because it wasn't me. Um, The things we, is it okay to say we went through together? Is that okay? Um, You went through only because. I told you everything and I would come home and I would cry and I would scream at you. Um, Then yes, we did go through it together. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly me, but also you. I I don't want to downplay your experiences truly because they are yours and they're not mine. Although. But they are yours kind of because you were also there. Yeah. Stuff wasn't happening to you as much, but like you were there. So it's still your experience also. Uh, I was there and there is something that parents experience that is so tender and so unique to being a parent when their oh, child yes. empathy. Yeah. When your, <laughs> child, <laughs> when your child hurts, you hurt. That's just how it is. And so watching you go through all the hurts of elementary school and middle school and high school and, and even some in college too. You haven't come out unscathed. But <laughs> yeah, lots of comments about my social communication issues, which I know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, though? I just 
I'm just so happy for you that you have found your way and that you're learning who you are. That's all that parents ever really want for their kids is for them to find themselves and to lean into who they are and to feel comfortable in their own skin. And I see that happening for you. And even though I I don't know, do you, I don't know if you feel like you're there yet or if it's still something that you're learning and experiencing. I guess I'm still learning and experiencing it and I'm in my 40s. So that's kind of a non-question question. question. (laughs) I guess for me, a lot of my life was spent trying to be neurotypical because that's how the world is geared. You know, that's Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to be like. And then being, you know, understanding like, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Being able to kind of, and it's hard when you're in, you know, like your hometown and there's all the people you grew up with who are like, this is how you are. And this is how you are to all of us. Mm -hmm. And so moving and being able to be like, I can be however I want to be Mm -hmm. and choosing to just be myself even though I am a little bit weird and a little bit crazy (laughs) is good for me I am a little bit deranged if you've ever read the yellow wallpaper sometimes I feel like that girl from that short story well I've never read it but now I will and also I would never call you deranged and if you are weird I love your weird I fully embrace your weird there might be some weird that I don't know about because you haven't shown me yet (laughs) I don't know. I'm pretty open with you and Eric. I pretty much tell you guys everything. Yes, you do. You know, talking on the phone to one of you at least for like an hour every day. There's not much. (laughs) That is true. And then we talk to each other. Eric and I talk to each other. So I think we get, I think we get a lot of information about how you're doing and I love it. I'm so grateful for it. So I just really appreciate you being here with me and being willing to share your experiences because I feel like for one, there are a lot of parents out there struggling and they're in those places that you and I were in that you were in and I was with you (laughs) for all those years. And I think there's hope in hearing other people's stories. And even if their experiences don't end up being exactly the same as yours, there's also hope in knowing that there's growth to be had and there's still further learning and there's still progress that we can all make. I don't think that's In fact, I know that's not specific to neurodivergent individuals because I'm still plugging along learning as I go. (laughs) Actually, if you're neurotypical, once you hit like 20, you're done. (laughs) You're done growing as a person. But if you're neurodivergent, you get until 25. (laughs) Did you make that up? (laughs) No, no, that's actually true. That's science. Uh Uh-huh. Science by Brielle (laughs) Williams. (laughs) Actually, I'm changing my PhD topic. That's what I'm talking about now. (laughs) (laughs) That's ridiculous. But thank you so much, Brielle. I just, you know, I love you. And I won't even get into all the... uh, Well... (laughs) (laughs) 80% of the time, 20%. I'm like, oh, why doesn't this loser stop calling me? (laughs) Never. 
ever. That's so mean. Don't ever say that again. So thanks again for being with me. I really appreciate it. But for those of you that are listening, you can also follow me on Instagram at navigating.the.spectrum. Thanks for being here. And you can follow me on Venmo and send me money at Brie, B-R-I-E underscore W underscore two seven. (laughs) Thanks again. 